because I, I also make that distinction. There's a distinction between having a bad set and because when you bomb, it's like they, when you're bombing for real, they 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 hate you. They hate you, <laughs> not your jokes. Because I I think of like what we're doing as the audience is giving you control over their imaginations. They're picturing you, everything you're saying. They're picturing it in their head. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So so th- there's a picture being painted in their head f- based on your words. And when you're when you bomb, it's like they've decided that you don't get to do that. That like that no matter what the f- you say, it's not even in my head. Instead of thinking about what you're saying, I'm thinking about how much I want you to stop talking. And we are back. BS with Brian Simpson, episode 71. We're climbing up there in the charts, folks. Um, uh, just got back from Denver Comedy Works. Sold that bitch out. It was, oh man, what a great club. What a great club. Great crowds down there. I'm not, I'm not just saying that because it went well. It, it really is. If you want to see me, I'm coming to West Nyack next, uh, well, this weekend. Um, West Nyack, New York, if they get the AC fixed, that is. Um, that's a whole thing, a whole damn adventure. Um, if you got any questions, comments, concerns, you want advice from the advice champ, email us at bswithbrandsmithson at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 323-451-1980. you want tickets to come see me on the road, go to brandsmithsoncomedy.com or go to one of my social medias and click on the link tree link. Also, if you ever find yourself in Austin and you want to come to the best fucking comedy show in the world, uh, come by Bottom of the Barrel. It's every Tuesday at the Comedy Mothership. You can get those tickets at ComedyMothership.com. <clears throat> yeah, Denver was fucking awesome. And I'm not just saying that because we sold a lot of tickets. I'm just, I'm, it, it really is awesome. That's the first place that I ran my hour, which I'm recording in August. Um, as it's going to be like the finished everything all put together and all that. <clears throat> so um, we'll see. We'll see how it all turns out. Ah, uh, okay. Um, you know what? It's been. A, I feel like it's been away from the fans for a while. We were like a couple weeks behind there for a while. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's read some of these emails first. How about that? Sure. Um, emails. Stand up verse podcast. Hey fellas, I listen to the pod every Friday and I'm a big fan of Brian's comedy, which is what is prompting this email. I found that I've had to cut out some podcasts for some of my favorite storytelling comedians as they typically hash out jokes or come up with premises on the podcast, which really deflates the special experience. A couple weeks back, Josh even pointed out that a joke you made could be a bit. He was right. That is where my concern comes in. I fucking love stand-up. I enjoy podcasts, but there are infinite podcasts. In comparison, there are a limited number of comedians that excite me. So do you have an internal rule about this? Do you try to keep stand-up material and podcast appearance jokes separate? And are y'all still looking for bars? It came up early on a little bit, but I feel like I haven't heard anyone actually rap on here. Or did y'all just get trash? Oh, okay. Um, be good, Jason. Um, no, we don't have a rule about shit. What are you talking about? Like it because <clears throat> you have to understand the the longer stand up goes on, the more 
well, this is just one of the it's, it's several issues. One, the more stand up goes on, the more the more difficult it is to find an original take on things. And the best comedians, because don't get me wrong, there there are people out there that like have this like formulaic joke writing thing that goes on, and they aren't really comedians. Like they can call themselves comedians, but they're really like joke writers. Like they like. You know, like people that write jokes for like Jay Leno and shit. You know, where it's like they something happens in the news and they gotta they plug it into a formula and they you know this this that another. And some of those people try to stand up and you can just tell. You know, they st- every joke is you know I look like this, fuck to that. You know, and it's like it's just a simple formula. But real, really funny people. This is not just comedians, but really funny people. They just think funny, like. You know, it's like some of my first, you know, before I was ever a comedian, um, when I was first regularly being funny, I wasn't trying to be. Most of it was just me complaining and people laughing and me trying to get them to take me seriously. Because the way that I felt, the way I expressed how I was feeling just came out funny. So, um, so I think you're talking about two different things. I, you know, you could be talking about people going on podcasts and telling the same joke from podcast to podcast. Or you're talking about people, you know, ranting on a podcast and then it's funny and then they go put that material in their stand-up. It's like, of course I'm going to do that. It's so hard to come up with material that's original and and all this other stuff. It's like if you if, if you drop a if you drop a jewel, you got you better pick that motherfucker in your pocket. You know, that's just me. You know, now some things. You know, some people say it could be a bit, and then and then it turns out it can't be, or it turns out it's not from my, from my my style, or it's in the vault somewhere, and I just haven't got to working on the premise yet. But it's like I don't see anything wrong with taking something funny you said in conversation and turn it into a bit because it, it, that you know you saying something funny in conversation is still a long way from it being a fully polished, explored thought with all of the trimmings. And all of that. Now, that's again, that's for good comics. Now, some, you know, it's just like you ever watch, you watch some comics, and and their material is clearly just things they tweeted. <laughs> you know, they just take their tweets, they get a lot of likes, and they go on stage and repeat them, and and you can hear it's just empty. They don't have a perspective. They don't really have more to it because it's not coming from anywhere real. You know, and. You know, and that's different. But but it's like so, something that just came out of by accident isn't just isn't a joke already. And, you know, and I would think if you were if you were such a huge fan of comedy, you would want to see, you would want to hear the end result of that. You know, much like if you like much like if you saw like a master chef, you know, um, get, you know, get a hold of some some rare exotic ingredient. You know, you want to see what they do with that. You know, I, I, maybe that wasn't a good a good analogy, but whatever. Well, if you had like uh, an amazing three Michelin star meal, and they're like, "Hey, you want to come in the kitchen and see how I made it?" You'd be like, "Fuck yeah, of course." It's um, yeah. So no, the, there's no rule. There's no rule about. I mean, I'm the only co- co- comedian. Actually, no, you're a comedian too, right, Josh? Yeah. I've never se- I've never seen Josh do comedy. <laughs> Our relationship is not comedic. Uh, but yeah, I we don't have a rule about uh, not. Um, 
Now listen, there is now there isn't it really isn't a spoken rule, but there is a unwritten rule amongst comics where it's like, don't do your bits. You know, I mean, maybe if I had a guest, I wouldn't care if they, you know, if we got ran into a topic that they have a bit about or they did their bit or whatever. But I prefer you just be a real person. You know what I mean? Just to, you don't have to be on all the fucking time. But then again, a lot of Chris, criticism I get from a lot of when I'm on other people's podcasts from their fans is that I'm not funny or I'm boring or whatever. But, you know, that's <laughs> mostly people that don't read or whatever, you know, because it's an equal amount of people that love, <laughs> that love me. But I never promise to be funny. You know, the only thing I promise to do is show up. <laughs> you know, that's the only thing I'm obligated to do is to be there. Like, no, I don't, you know, like when I'm, when I go to a comedy club for the weekend, like I don't get paid if I'm funny. They don't even care if I'm funny. As long as I show up and other people show up to see me, that's all they care about. Now it's, it's funny 99% of the time, you know, but, but I know I never promised that. It's no money back guarantee, you know, if you don't laugh. Yeah, so uh, I mean, I mean, and I think most people would describe this podcast. I mean, it is it a comedy podcast? Not necessarily. Not really. We just be talking, but we funny. So sometimes it's funny, but I but I I never promise for it to be funny. You know, it's just I'm just talking. I will. I promise it'll be interesting, but that's as much as I, you know. I, no, that's nope. I don't promise that either. I promise to try to be interesting, and <laughs> th- sometimes that'll be funny. Or oh, your money back. <clears throat> you promise to bullshit. Yeah, yeah. If you ever not enjoying the podcast, you know, just email us and we'll and we will refund you. You know. <laughs> okay. All I will say is, what's going on? I, I have a question. So, do you, do you think that the proliferation of like that? Like you were talking about like the Twitter comedy and podcasts, like now that every comedian has to have a podcast, do you think that's changed the experience or like the industry of stand up, like in the club or as an art form? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, yes and no. I mean, stand up just like every other art form is much more is uh, is much more accessible nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, but unlike the other art forms, it's like you can't you can't really cheat it. You know what I mean? Like that's what I love about stand up is like the proof is in the pudding. Even if you don't like, even if I don't like you, even if I don't think you're funny, it's like when you you know if you go up there and kill, you kill. You know, and and even people that's like you know some people are hack and they funny, but it's like, but you know what? And, and so that's that's obviously a knock against them that they're hacks, but everybody can't do that either, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so so it's like you know a hack still better than than a completely unfunny person. So you know so so but my, so, but my point is it it, it all stands out like like if, if if I have a lineup and it's you know and it's two hacks and one industry plant or whatever and then it's three beasts you, you know it's apparent it, it like mm. the, the crowd is going to react accordingly and it and you just can't cheat that and then we do and and we do four shows in a row and then we do you know or we or we do we do you know two shows Thursday two shows Friday two shows Saturday one show Sunday 
And I mean that would that's a study. And then right. we go do it in another city. That's a peer reviewed study, right? It's like it, it's like you can't cheat the thing. You can get placed ahead of people, but but everybody know what's up. You know what I mean? It, it you know I've been on plenty of lineups where I'm not the prestigious person. Like I'm not the most famous person. I'm not the most known person. But you know we know what's up. We know who the people that really earned the because because you don't have to earn the title comedian. Or stand up or whatever. And lots of people think that they're funny. You know, but but you but you can't and no matter how like you know, like that's the point I'm trying to say is, you know, somebody cannot be able to sing and be a singer and be a hit singer. And if the radio played them enough, people will convince themselves that they like it. You know? Because a lot of music has to do about like what, when you heard it and what situation you were in and and what you connect that to and or it's catchy and everybody knows the words and it might be a shitty song but like we all when it comes on everybody starts singing so it's like you can cheat music because you know the music industry can just shove somebody down your throat until you love it mm-hmm. same thing with painters and, and shit you know like it's like if, uh, you know if enough rich people stare at a square on a black background. Uh, and and say that it's brilliant, then everybody decides that it's worth ten million dollars, and they'll pay it. You know. So same thing with wine. You know, all these people pretend like they could taste the difference between good wine and bad wine, and then, and blind taste test they fail. You can't do that with comedy. When I'm dead fucking tired, the first thing to go on the back burner is cooking a nutritious meal. Before I even know what's happening. I find myself mindlessly heading towards the nearest McDonald's. If you're trying to break the stress to drive through cycle, Factor has you covered. They're America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Everything is delivered right to your door so you can stay on top of your health goals and your busy schedule. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals take just two minutes to prepare, so mealtimes are quick, easy, and delicious. With over 34 weekly restaurant-quality options, there's always something new to try, and Factor's flavor-packed meals fit a variety of lifestyles, from keto and calorie-conscious to vegan and vegetarian. Yeah, I can't wait for my Factor to get here to make my life a little easier. I have such a busy schedule, and uh, and I'm just excited to not have to think about what planning my meals and all of that, all of that shit. Head to factormeals.com slash BS50 and use code BS50 to get 50% off. That's code BS50 at factormeals.com slash BS50 to get 50% off. As the only non-comedian on this podcast right now, uh, I have an idea of what hack means, but what does hack mean to you? Because you've used the term a few times. It's, oh, what's a hack? Uh, well, a uh, uh, a hack or hack material is uh um it's 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 well worn premises and punchlines basically mm-hmm. you know basically you're it's just it's all the lowest hanging fruit basically you know, it's 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 things that have been done, angles that have been taken, well-worn material, well-worn premises, well-worn punchlines, and you know, shameless 
you know, really, really teetering on the line of dad jokes almost. Okay. You know? And that's, that's regardless of whether it performs well, right? Because like you can be at the fucking chuckle hut in Chattanooga or whatever, and you can do hack material and you can kill. Oh yeah. Right. You can kill for sure. Yeah. Like, um, <clears throat> you know, I'll put it to you like this. Really good comedians, you know, or not even, but but the longer you the longer you do comedy, the more you've seen so much comedy. You know, I've I and you know I've seen enough comedy now to where like like eighty five percent of the time when I hear the premise, I know what the punchline is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Somebody that's not a comic can hear a hack joke and they know exactly where you're going because it's been, you know, they've heard it before. Mm. And, and sometimes some people don't care that they've heard it before. They still want to hear it, you know. And, and, and so it's and, and apparently like the beginnings of stand up were a lot. It was a lot of that. It was a lot of people telling the same jokes every, you know, different people saying the same jokes all over the country, mm-hmm. you know, because nobody, nobody knew better. So it's like. <clears throat> You know, people don't, don't take my wife, please. You know, it's like you start, that's those. That's like obviously hack, you know? Yeah, it's a banger though. Yeah, but I gave you a perfect example. It's like you, 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 you know, new new comedians always, you know, they do what's easiest because they don't know what what else to do. Um, so, But if somebody comes out of a certain era, like let's say 90s comic and they're still doing stand-up, but they didn't change, I feel like I kind of give them not that it's my place to give them a pass, but I'm saying like, well, you were originator of that style. So even though it might be hacky, that's like, it's like the well, rappers. Well, that yeah, in the 90s. Well, well, it's not hack. It's not hack if you wrote the joke originally, because that, that, that has happened to people. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, you know, you get, you got some, you know, you, you see some, you know, cause this has happened a few times at the comedy store when I was, <clears throat> when I was still around there. As you know, there's, there's fucking, I don't know how many names on that wall, maybe maybe 300, 400 names on the wall. And and most of those names, it's probably more than that. And most of those names, oh, but the wall, by the way, if you're not familiar, the, the comedy store, when you become a paid regular there, which is the ultimate goal there, which is the equi- comedy equivalent of getting your degree from, from a prestigious university, right? Um, <clears throat> they paint your name on the wall in cursive on the actual wall of the building. And so um, <clears throat> there must be, there's hundreds of names on the wall. But most of those people, if you walk, you know, if you walk by down the wall and read, you don't know who the fuck they are, you know? And But so every now and then, somebody, that, some like, you know, 70-year-old man will show up and be like, yeah, I remember these are my old stomping ground. He pointed his name. You know, and sometimes he'll go up, you know, I don't know how they verify. I don't know if they have a keep a ledger or if it's just they <laughs> hope everybody will remember. But, you know, sometimes one of them old motherfuckers, they'll get a spot. And you're like, let's just see what the fuck's going on. And you know what? They're, they're almost always pretty good. <laughs> because, again, they're clearly doing, you know, an old style. And they're clearly doing jokes that, like, they probably wrote them motherfuckers. But, it, but it's, it's like that. It's like, take my wife, please. Blah, 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 you know? Um, <clears throat> another thing I think is, you know, I think Hack is also just, just, the low hanging fruit all the time, you know, because mm. every because everything things weren't hacked when they were new or when they were edgy, 
But now they aren't edgy. They're just well worn. You know, like you get comedians and like, uh, you know, uh, you know, black people steal and Mexicans are lazy or whatever. You know, just whatever. Like, like just stereotype shit. Mm-hmm. That was cool in the nineties. Now, no, now it's like, okay, we what's new? What's beyond that? Is it considered hack now? Because I see a lot of <clears throat> uh, Shane Gillis babies and Nate Bargatsky babies, meaning they have that same cadence they're doing their jokes but it's in that cadence and killing in that cadence oh you mean people adopting the delivery of a hundred percent the delivery not only that but the body movements like where you're um, moving back and forth i don't know i mean listen there's a lot of debate about that but I, you know i i think it's only natural to mimic the people you look up to um and and i don't know if their voice and their body movement or their I, I get what you're saying. If their delivery in their body movement is, I mean, people definitely talk about it when you, you know, when you sound just like someone else, or you, your inflections become. But, but at the same time, you know what? Some people are just from the same place, and they just sound like that. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. so it, it, that's that's neither. I don't think that's a violation, but it is something that people notice. You know, yeah, you see, a, there's a lot of Mitch Hedberg clones and blah blah blah, but it's like. How, how do you know they're not just from the same place he's from? You know, I don't know. And, but 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 here's the, but here's the other side of it is, I don't know if you can really, like you can you can get some laughs, but you can't really kill w- without being like you can't go deeper than the surface without it really being you. You know, I, I mean, a, a lot of comments they throw around kill. But but for real, for real, you ain't really killed. You don't even know what that's like. You know what I mean? Like, like <clears throat> killing is killing. Killing is it's done. Everybody dead. The show's over. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you really, truly kill, and it's like the show might as well have been over. Like, the audience is done. I've seen that happen. Where it's like, it's so, they, somebody kills so hard that it's just, it's done. You know? And, and. And that feeling, because see, because 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 the thing is, like, if you think of comedy like a drug, you the response you get, the euphoria you get, the the endorphins that get released from getting a laugh when you first start out, you ain't never felt that feeling from getting a laugh from a crowd of people. So it it feels more than it is. That's why new comics have a hard time. You know, that's why they always think that they're better than they are. You know, motherfucker been doing comedy for two years. They be like, "Well, I'm getting paid. Like, how come I'm not getting no tour?" And uh, you know what I'm saying? And it's like they fe- it feels like they're killing, but real, real killing is like you, you, you know, you be lucky if you witness it once or twice. Let alone if it happened to you, like for real, for real. You know, some people never develop those uh, laugh ears. Yeah, because because the thing is, you can't kill. Like, you have to have an axe to kill. You, you have to be it's it's a skill it's like it's like developing your material and then knowing how to kill with it is a, that's a separate skill so you you got to develop the material before you know how to kill before you can even capable of it you know and and so anyway I, I think a lot of times people have a good set or a really good set and they say they killed or they think they killed or someone tells them they killed but it's like nah 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 like real killing like, i i reserve that word for the utmost highest level of destruction where it's like where it's like holy shit i can 
feel you know like almost like uh when you see you ever watch Jimi Hendrix at the Woodstock shit? Mm-hmm. Like, like how, imagine how those people felt. Just seeing a fucking virtuoso in the zone. Just full control. You know? Like, if killing is the opposite of bombing, you ever watch somebody... That's another thing. You ever watch somebody really bomb? Because I, I also make that distinction. There's a distinction between having a bad set and fucking bomb. Because when you bomb, it's like... The, when you're bombing for real... They, they they fucking hate you. They hate you. <laughs> Not your jokes. Like like it like they like they have totally decided that that you are like because <clears throat> I, I think of like what we're doing as the audience is giving you control over their imaginations. They're picturing your everything you're saying, they're picturing it in their head. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so th- there's a picture being painted in their head f- based on your words, and when you're when you bomb, it's like they've decided that you don't get to do that. That like that no matter what the fuck you say, it's not even in my head. Instead of thinking about what you're saying, I'm thinking about how much I want you to stop talking. Oh, and you can feel it. Oh, that shit hurts. And I've seen that way more than I've seen people kill, but not as often as people say. You know, and, and if and if killing is the opposite, where it's like. They love you so much. They love your perspective so much. They can listen to you talk all day. And and anything you say, they're on board. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like that's that's the whole difference. And and uh and I don't know how we got into that long thing. Oh, also, dude, no, we're not looking for, I mean, I guess, I mean, yeah, we looking for bars. Uh we will be in the future. That we I kind of just got lazy with that because you know, we. I still don't know. This podcast should really be like three separate ones, but I don't have um, Tom Segura money. You know, but one day I will. One day I'm going to have five of these motherfuckers because I want to do a tech one. I want to do one where people send me in rap verses. I want to do one. Oh, speaking of tech. Oh, oh. Um, no, no. You know what? We'll go into that into the ne- in the next episode. Let's read the next email from Michael. All I will say is this shit is sweet. You will be a new style almost of Tim Dillon. Give it time. Heard you on Rogan too. Just wanted to pass along the feedback. If you're ever in the Connecticut, New York, New Jersey area, feel free to add this email to your tour list, brother. Damn. Do people still do email lists? I, you know what? It's one of those things that I probably should have started doing <laughs> a long time ago. And I just don't do that. I don't have a like an email list because you know what I fucking hate getting I hate getting emails almost as much as I hate getting spam texts or calls from the government. Okay, uh, but thank you, uh, thank you, uh, Michael. That was, that is very nice to say uh, that I will be the new style almost of Tim Dillon. Okay, I'll take being a fraction of Tim Dillon. You are going to be in the Connecticut, New York, New Jersey area, aren't you, Brian? Um, I will be, uh, well, that's the thing. I don't know because, uh, you know, there was controversy here while I was in Denver killing it. Um, (laughs) my, uh, my feature was the homie Derek Poston, who's also, uh, opens for Andrew Schultz and Andrew Schultz was supposed to be at West Nyack, New York. The same weekend I'm the same weekend I was in Denver, Schultz was supposed to be in West Nyack. And I'm I'm coming to West Nyack the following week, this week. 
But Schultz did the first night and canceled the shows because their air conditioning was broken. And they didn't tell him till he got there. So, um, you know, so he was like, yo, I'm not performing because it's a heat wave right now. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And it's like, I'm not performing in this, <laughs> you know, in this sweat box, bro. Like everybody in there sweating their ass off. And he felt blindsided by it. And I understand that because it's like there's something a little shady about you not saying something ahead of time. Because, and I get it, you're a small business, you're trying to survive, but you don't want me to have the option to say no. So you, so th- to me that, that feels shady. It's like you, you, you knew it was a major issue and it, and then, you know, and here's the thing, man, comics talk. Remember, I, I, I come on here and I complain to you all the time about how like, it's one thing to try to fuck me, but at least try to fuck me intelligently. Right? And a lot of clubs will act like, they the first ones to try to pull a fast one on you, you know, in comics talk. So anyway, he found out that the, the AC had been broken for months. Right? Oh. So, you know, I, I don't know what the fuck they thought was, was going to happen. I, you know, and, and I get it. Some businesses are struggling. I think that mall is struggling. Um, West Nyack, everything's in this one mall. Like everything, all the stores in this town are in this one mall. <laughs> you know The mall is fucking huge There's a roller coaster in there Last time I went I had a great time It didn't seem like it was struggling It was a movie theater It was an escape room It was all this other All these activities um, So I'm not sure What the problem is But the point is One of the biggest comments In the world Canceled on them For the fuckery So I hear this And I'm like Oh I'm sure the fuck Ain't going out there If it's gonna be A hundred and Plus degrees in, Indoors You know um, So I called my agent And was like Hey Check on the, the AC because I'm not gonna fly across the country for no reason. Because I'm I'm not gonna perform. You know what I mean? If it's if it's 100 degrees inside, that's fucked up. You know, and those people don't, won't come see you again if you play with them like that. You know, so <clears throat> they assure me that it will be fixed by today. You know, but again, I don't know if I should take their word for it. I you know, I, it could because the fact that the fact that you tried to play Andrew Schultz. I know you. I know you think you can play me, but I don't play. I'm. I'm. You know. It's like <laughs> I'm a man of my word. I'm telling you. I, my hand to God. If it's any fucker, because you know it's. You know it's probably some way to jury rig it, and it'll it'll work temporarily and shut off again. And you know hit they hit you. Oh, we swear it just broke again. It's, hey, I ain't trying to hear all that shit. You know what I'm saying <laughs> I, I'm. I'm really not. I'm really not. If I walk in that motherfucker and it and it's any indication that it ain't no airflow in that bitch, I'm I, on my mama. I'm walking about that motherfucker, you know. And I'm just gonna make an Instagram post saying, "Hey, make a surprise trip to New York City. Where can I pop up? Because that's all I need is the stage time. I don't really, I don't have time for games, you know. <clears throat> and you know, listen, I have no. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, which is why I haven't canceled my ticket. I still promoting the show on my social medias and all that stuff. But part of me just has a feeling, you know, part of me just has a feeling. And I've, I've been here before and I remember having a great time. So, you know, I don't remember if I, I you know, I don't because I don't know who the owners are or who's making these decisions that it's not worth it to, to oh, if we can just make it through the summer, then we then, <laughs> you know, then then we then we can just kick the heat on and worry about the air conditioning later. I don't know who what kind of people think like this. 
Maybe if we just don't uh, do anything, Brian, it'll magically fix itself. Man, I'm telling you, man, listen, there needs to be, there needs to be some sort of conference, okay? There needs to be some sort of conference with comedy club owners. I keep saying this. We need to get, we need to get uh, Lucy from, um, from Zanies. We need to get, um, we need to get the, 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 the sisters from Comedy on State. Um, and we need to get Wendy from Denver Comedy Works to give a motherfucking PowerPoint to every club, club owner in the country. There is a, listen, there is, listen, y'all, when you, when you speak to comedians and, and they talk about, and those aren't the only places, but, but they talk about the, the, the clubs that are beloved amongst comedians. Um, there's a reason for that. There's a process to that because all the, all those clubs I just named have something in common. And that is that they are not in survival mode. They understand that you have to spend money to make money. That if you really want to put on good shows, sometimes you have to invest in things that don't give you an immediate return. But they bolster your reputation, which gives you an enormous return in the long run. You know, why does comedy work? Why was comedy works amongst the first clubs to have yonder bags? They're very expensive, by the way, because you can't buy them. You know, you're you're renting yonder bags, and they're very expensive to rent. You know, but why do you have yonder bag? Because it makes the show fantastic. In, 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 because our gen, our generation is because we like to blame it on the kids, but the adults are fucked too. We are all glued to our phones. You know, we're glued to our phones, even when we are when we are around loved ones. You know, you have you have customized interesting at the, in the palm of your hand. So the moment your fucking aunt says something boring, you tune the fuck out. You're like, and so. To keep you to keep the shows honest, we put them phones away for an hour. You'll be fine. You'll survive, and you'll focus on the only thing going on in the room, and you'll have a good time. And that's all you remember. But that costs a lot of money. It really does. It's it's a it's a business decision. You know, every club should have some form of these. Now, every single club should. It makes the shows better. Period. And and, and but. You know, you can't convince a lot of club owners to do that because, again, it's that it, you can't. It's there's no obvious return on the investment. You can't look to it, and you can't look in the books and see that having yonder bags made you X dollars. So some people don't do it. You know, but but so you know, I I just, I just don't understand how, how I don't understand how a club could end up in this situation. You know, I don't understand how you can't get a couple hundred dollars together to fix the air conditioner. You know, I don't, I don't get that. That's that should be priority number one. That's almost like you have it. That's like that's like the microphone being broken. It's like third from that. <laughs> you know, um, I went to a club recently that had it, ha- it had like a uh, it had a sound wall, so it, it it was split down the middle. There was a wall. Um, a very big fucking expensive one too but it was like the club was 
the club was like it was like a bar on one side and a comedy club on the other side and they would they had bands playing on that side so they so they had this giant so so basically like it's all it's all one venue and when the when the comedy show is over they open it all up and it's a big giant club and but the sound wall so the sound wall was broken you know and i don't know how long it'd been broken but and so, so it's like in the middle of my show, they keep having to tell the the band to turn down the amp because, you know, it's like shit like that. Oh my god. Yeah, but but again, I don't know if it just broke or if it's been broke. For, if because because they told me that it just broke, but if I had, if I gave a fuck enough to speak to somebody that had been there before me, if I had found out it was broken, a month ago, I would have lost my shit. So I didn't even bother looking into it. You know, but um, but I, I but the fact that <clears throat> the point I'm trying to make is I have every faith that they're going to fix their air conditioning because they told me they would. And the fact that um, because because the alternative, I can't tell you how fucking livid I would be if that shit was still broken when I got there because that's that feel that's insulting to me because that that tells me that your oh shit moment oh man one of the biggest comments in the world canceled us on us in the middle of the weekend. And then you looked at your calendar and went, yeah, but nobody important is here for a month and a half. So we can just, yeah, we, we, we got time. That would piss me off so much. Anyway. You got to imagine they lost more money with Schultz cutting out, like, like canceling dates weekend of than they would have spent fixing the fucking air conditioning. Yep. 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 And I, get, and I, and I bet you there's some... Someone in the within the organization was trying to warn them about something like this, but again, sure, you you can't see the loss in the future. Just like you can't, like fixing the AC, you can't see the value of that on the books. Mm-hmm. He, you know, Schultz kind of forced them to see it, and 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 if they don't fix it, it's going to really damage their reputation. I mean, why why would anyone come there that's not completely desperate? Right, you know, and I—I'm I, not shaming anybody that goes, but you shouldn't if you can avoid it. If 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 they if they try to if the, if this is really a one-off incident, and it gets fixed, that's one thing. But if they don't, if, if it's if it's just if it's them just just them trying to coast out of business, you know, and that might be what it is too. Maybe they plan on going out of business, and they just don't want to spend any money until they. There's also a Freon shortage. There's a Freon shortage? Mm-hmm. That ain't got shit to do with me. Close it down. Guess what else is short? My fucking patience. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What, what do you, what, 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 how's that my problem? You know? I don't, got, I don't got patience and I don't got time. Find some Freon, motherfucker. <laughs> especially, in, especially in New York City. I know you can get some. Matter of fact, let's look that up. Is there a Freon shortage? So R four R fifty four B is a more environmentally friendly alternative to R four ten A. The industry trains will create much lower global warming potential. So this is from January of this year. So maybe that's what's going on. Like they know, like R four ten A is out of is is getting up out of here, so they're not making anymore, Mm-mm. and they haven't 
they don't have enough R54B spun up yet, or, may, or maybe it's like the same facilities have to make both. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But or I don't maybe really they have see an old a ass, shortage. Maybe they have an old ass uh, HVAC system that can't take the new thing, right? Correct. So they can't repair it. They have to replace the whole system. So rather than it being a few hundred bucks to have somebody come in and replace the Freon, they have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to. Oh, it's a, okay. So I got it right here. Who fucking knows? I got it right here. Freon. That's the problem. Um, R14A refrigerant shortages and price increases causing problems for the HVAC industry. Future R14A phase out planned by EPA by 2023. Well, that this is old. So yeah, right. we know this is getting phased out. But here's the other thing. Or and again, this is New York we're talking about. Maybe they did honestly been trying to get it fixed because probably because what might be happening is they getting hustled and people are putting like tap water in their shit instead of Freon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which which will work for like a day or two and you have to call, you know, I don't know. But again, ain't none of that my issue. You Another know, thing that like, happens sometimes is when they when there are these it's kind of like greedflation with like the um, price of food at grocery stores and stuff. Like yeah, mm-hmm. there were some uh, disruptions in the supply chains that led to some foods being more expensive. But if you actually just look at the revenue and the profits from last year, a lot a lot of grocery stores just used some inflation as an excuse to increase prices. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of HVAC companies are using this as an excuse to increase the prices on a lot of their service. Yep. Okay. Right on. Let's get to, let's get to this last email. Um, sure. Dear Brian and Rob from Jeremy, I hope you are well. I love the podcast and your comedy, and I'm happy to hear about your continued success. I'm a little behind, but wanted to address something brought up in episode 55. Secret Racism Club. At the 3706 mark, are we going to put a clip of this over this? Yeah, we'll pop uh, that in. Regarding Rob's discussion of century. First of all, bonus points for putting in the timestamp, okay? Because I really, you know, because some people, they, they, uh, they'll they comment to me as though I remember 20 episodes ago. <laughs> That's a very specific thing from 10, 15 episodes. It's like, and so it's, Often when people include the timestamp of what they're talking about. So thank you very much for that, Jeremy. <clears throat> uh, Rob's discussion of Century of the Self and Edward Bernays. See, I don't remember this. This is a little long-winded, but I <laughs> wanted to mention a few names and works for context. Rob makes an excellent point from Bernays to politics and selling people what they desire. But I think he missed a critical link, the culture century. Okay, what is he talking culture about? Culture industry. Culture industry. But what what point did you make that he's okay? Let's just pull it up. Hey, I'm I'm a Bluetooth to the soundboard. Okay. Okay. There you go. Um, Roadcaster Pro. Pro two. No, uh, Pro one. Are you sure? Uh huh. Pro two is the other one I have. Okay, so this so I haven't connected to this one before. No, I can I can also play it if it, I mean it might be faster. Mm, oh, just pro.
is so professional, dude. Okay, there it is. <sighs> okay, and BS with. Secret Racism Club Okay and What did he say What mark was it 3706 He was the one who Figured out that You could convert America from a society Of needs Into a society of desires Because the problem in like post-industrial United States was that it was so cheap and easy to produce things that the fear was like, well, we're just going to make so much stuff that there's nobody to sell it to because you can only wear so many shoes. You can only, you know, you, you only live in one house. You don't need more than one car, yada, yada, yada. So what he, what he realized based off of Freud's work was he's like, well, yeah, but that assumes that human beings are rational economic creatures and they're not. Most human um decisions are based off of pre-rational or sub-rational animalistic urges and so you can advertise things that people don't need but you can make them want them and what that eventually evolved into was modern politics where you no longer say okay here's what i here's what i believe here are the here are the processes that I want to that I want to implement to get there, and then here's my rational argument for why that's going to work. All you do is you just say like, "Hey, people that are like X want this thing that I'm talking about." Uh, much like how people decided, like based on their politics, that they wouldn't drink Bud Light. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Okay. So he's saying, Rob makes an excellent point. Um, but he missed a critical link, the culture industry. The idea is explored by Max Horkheimer and Theodore Adorno in their 1947 work, Dialectic of Enlightenment, which explores, among other things, how we are not only taught what to desire, but how to desire and to continually seek pleasure, which is always denied. Relating this to the political realm and Rob that Rob mentioned, the affiliated theorist Walter Benjamin Examine the interplay of politics Benjamin. and art within the say what? I think he's, I think it's pronounced Benjamin. I think it's Benjamin because he's German. Okay, well, I'm just saying, man. The interplay of politics and art within the culture industry, more specifically the advent of film and easy image replication. Writing his 1935 piece, The Work of Art in the Age of Mechanical Reproduction, <laughs> Being me, <laughs> come on, man. I, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> just say ben, just it's say Benjamin, Benjamin over here in the fucking America. Listen, listen. You know what else they say in Germany? <laughs> they call themselves Duschland. You know what the rest of the world calls them? German, because that's what we call True. them. Benjamin argues that fascism renders politics. Fa- ben- Benjamin argues that fascism renders politics aesthetic, with the end goal of war. Wait a minute. Benjamin argues. That fascism renders politics aesthetic. So he's saying fascism makes politics boil down to simply appearance or, or simply, oh, with the end goal being war. That does kind of feel, it does kind of feel like that. Because have we talk, because yeah. we've talked about this a bunch of times on the podcast about how the right and the left 
routinely root for fascism. Absolutely. They, they, they want different outcomes from it. But there's, there, it almost seems like, you know, not far left, not far right, but from like far center to the f- extreme on both sides, they, they routinely yearn for fascism when they think that it will give them what they want. Right? And so I think that's what this means or what this is predicting is what's happening now is that fa- is that politics are simply a, fa- a, a facade. You know, it's just a means, it's just a means to, for, to, to keep, uh, to keep the fighting going. But I, I but anyway, I'm gonna finish this because I, I, I do this a lot where I stop and talk about what I think about what's being said and then I go down two lines and they explain what they mean. So <laughs> yeah. here we go. He quotes Marinetti's manifesto on the Ethiopian colonial war. <clears throat> Quote War is beautiful because it establishes man's dominion over the subjugated machinery by means of gas masks, terrifying megaphones, flamethrowers, and small tanks. War is beautiful because it initiates the dreamt of metalization of the human body. It enriches a flowering meadow with the fiery orchids of machine guns, creates new architecture, like that of the big tanks, the geometrical formation flights, the smoke spirals from burning villages, and many others. All of this is to say the component of the culture industry is crucial to understanding how we are taught desire, how desire is presented to us, and how easily politics meshes with the culture industry with dangerous results from things like propaganda where our politics are made aesthetic for airtime and merch on the campaign trail. My apologies if this drifted into the weeds. Love the podcast. Hope to catch you next time you're in North Carolina. Okay. That was the perfect smart guy email, okay? It didn't ramble on. The paragraphs <laughs> were separated. This motherfucker gave us the mark notes, and, um, and you know, I mostly understood it. And that that is the perfect way for smart people to, you know, if you've got some kind of expertise or you have some kind of uh, in-depth hobby and you want to talk like this motherfucker, hey, I'm all about it. There was some poetry in this bitch. It really was... The model email, and I feel like we're starting to get way more of these these good ones, these ones that are, we just, are. beautiful. And I hope uh, that I translated what you were trying to say well, because I because I, I look I do that because I feel like I don't really understand something until I can put it into my own words. So I try to repeat it in my own words to see if I'm understanding it clearly. Um, so we'll see. Um, uh, what do you think about this, Rob? He he was actually talking to you, I think. I love this email because because um, it kind of like I, he was like, I kind of he's like Rob thinks he's so smart, stupid bitch. How come you didn't know about the culture industry? That's what that's what this whole email was basically saying, and it, and then he used a bunch of five dollar uh, yeah. words. Uh, no, I I uh, I'll, I'll call him Walter. He Benjamin froze up for your benefit, but Walter Benjamin Adorno and Horkheimer are all part of the uh, Frankfurt School. And so they all work in um, dialectics, although Walter Benjamin predates Adorno and Horkheimer for a bit. But I love Adorno and Horkheimer. Um, and the 
I think that the like the Minetti uh, quote that he has is 100% applicable to our current day, and it's fucking bars. It's like such a good quote. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I agree yeah, with everything a, he says in this in this email. I'm gonna get this quote tattooed. I think that it also back. it Your lower back. There's there's also yeah, a course. connection. <laughs> there's also my, my there's a stamp. connection. There's um there is a there's a really interesting connection between the economic stuff that Bernays and well not Bernays himself but what Century the Self is talking about where it's like the mechanization of labor being connected to the mechanization of war, which is what the fascism part is about, which is then connected to the mechanization of art. So a lot of people that talk about like the Frankfurt School today are looking at things like, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for instance, where even the art that we consume, the movies that we watch, are the product of a... um, a factory line, right? It's an industry. Facts. It's not. It's not the. Um, it's not the spiritual essence of like individual creators that's being like put on screen. It's well, a. It's well, a. It's a factory. Well, it's funny you bring this up because that is the top article that I want to read from our list here. Striking SAG actors in disbelief over studio's dystopian AI proposal. Is everyone keeping up with the strike? I I, I, I made light of it uh, uh, a few episodes ago, but I, I really do support uh, the striking. I support the striking actors and writers. I don't know how I feel about SAG or WGA because I, the, I, I feel like the union has for the most part because because no look no one talks about the fact that like we're in this position because the union failed people you know so now here we are this is the biggest hollywood strike in 60 years the first time in 60 years that the actors and the writers have been on strike simultaneously and uh i'm guessing that this article is about uh it, it, <laughs> hollywood is officially a black mirror episode come to life this was a sentiment several members and non-members of SAG after shared with Rolling Stone following Thursday's announcement that the 160,000 member union would join the WGA union on the picket line. Wait a minute, there's only 160,000 of us? After failing to secure a new contract with movie studio and streaming service executives, the Screen Actors Guild and American Federation of Television and Radio Artists had been negotiating with the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers for the po- past month, but he already extended deadline expired late Wednesday night. Fran Drescher delivered a bruising and rallying speech decrying the AMPTP's shameful and disgusting treatment toward the union, saying you could not keep being dwindled and marginalized and disrespected and dishonored. So the the alliance <laughs> first of all, ask yourself that. Why does why do the motion picture and television producers need to be allied? Aren't they aren't they competitors? No, they have an alliance just so they can shit on labor. So they can all be on page. It it is See that's what that's what SAG after need to do, because that to me that's borderline collusion. How is it not for all the studios who are supposed to be competitors to uh, to form an alliance of some sort? I don't understand how that's legal. Maybe, I, but I also don't know the law. So you know, for the I past mean, historic, month, historically, in, in 
in the in the past when they've broken up the trusts between the studios, it's led to the you know a golden age in motion picture because it's happened twice, I believe. Yeah, I mean, isn't, isn't that what the, this the is? Studio isn't this consortium? Isn't this a trust right here? Yeah, I think it is. The AMT, yes. How can they negotiate as a group? They're supposed to be competitors. It doesn't make sense. Um, so anyway, um, they they offered for to pay background actors a day rate to use their likeness in perpetuity. Basically, basically, you know, listen, people out there, if you go to sign some contract and you see the word perpetuity, don't sign that. You need a lawyer, okay? Because <laughs> that means it means forever. It means forever in any situation. Until the end of time, even after you die, right? So, <clears throat> you know that was their, their what they thought was a solid offer to pay you a hundred bucks to use your likeness forever. Um, these motherfuckers are sick. Now, I also want you. I want the actors out there to pay attention to two groups of people. The directors guild signed their shit. They got it. They had a deal instantly, like like in less than twenty four hours. They they had a deal. So the directors don't they don't give a fuck about none of y'all. Okay, and that that's obvious. We saw that coming. We know why that is. Okay, because the directors guild is mostly already rich white dudes, and it, it's not hard to please a, a small handful of people. You know what I mean? The, like the most powerful people in Hollywood. You know, so um, that that's not. Really, that surprising that, that you know that would be like it'd be like you know the NFL owners or something. It's like it's only like thirty of them, and they're already rich. It's like hey, you guys want to stay rich because we treat y'all well. Yeah, 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 we good. So you know, but the real key group of people to pay attention to are the big name actors that ain't said a fucking thing. Because here was here was always my problem when I so this almost complicated my life because I'm filming my special next month. It's for Netflix, and so you know I got the call. Uh, you know, a few, I got an email a few days ago that was like, "We are on strike, and stop what you're doing, and you can't do anything. You can't promote anything. You can't do any work for any of these purposes." Um, but, uh, you know, we, we got a hold of SAG's lawyers and, uh, it turns out because I'm producing the special myself and Netflix has already paid me for it, that that's, it's not, it it doesn't affect me at all. So, but my point is, you're not breaking the strike by filming your special. No, I'm not breaking the strike by filming my special. Exactly. But, um, but I, I was a must join, right? So I didn't know shit about the union. You know, I done my, I done, uh, <clears throat> I think I done, I done a shitty straight to TV movie that wasn't supposed to come out, but it did, and I don't know if that counted. And I did, um, I did a thing on for David Spade, that David Spade thing, and then I, uh, and then I did had a th- had a thing for Netflix, and then I had a thing for uh, I had a a. A social media only um, uh, State Farm commercial And I was just I didn't even say anything I just I just got acted excited But the point is That commercial Made me So the, the previous thing Made me what they call A must join 
So if you you if you do, you only allowed to do X amount of things without being in the union. Once you've done X X things, the next thing you can't do until you join, and then and that costs money. And I forget how much it was, but it was more money than I was wanted to spend. It's it was like it, it was in the th- was it 3k? It's I think it's 3k right now. I mean I, I don't know what it was. Okay, when yeah, but happened. yeah, it was like it was like, like a, it was thousands 3, of dollars. It was thousands of dollars, and from that point, they get one. They I think it's one percent of everything you make. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's three percent. But the point is, so that so being told that I must join the union and that I needed to spend a couple thousand dollars when this commercial was only paying me a couple hundred, um, I was so I looked all into what the fuck was the benefit. Well, you know, and it turns out that whatever the union dues are, whether it's one percent or three percent, it caps out at I want to say a million dollars, but it might be less than that. Is it a million or a hundred thousand? So five hundred thousand was the limit set. In 2012 And it was still that As of 2021 So that's what I know So the point is You pay the union One to three percent I don't know exactly Of your dues Up to five hundred thousand dollars And what I mean by that is Up to you So once you make Five hundred Once you make five hundred thousand dollars The union gets one percent of that If you make All the money you make Over that You don't pay any dues on so 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 think about the scenario that sets up. It sets up the scenario so that the very 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 biggest stars aren't paying the the same percentage of dues as everybody else. Right? And these same motherfuckers aren't speaking up right now while the unions on strike. Not that I've seen. I mean Fran Drescher has said something. One other motherfucker put out a statement. Who was it? Um Matt Damon put out a statement. Um, I mean, there are there are some big name actors that are on the picket line. They're not like the big big actors. They're not like Leonardo, Tom DiCaprio, Cruise, but, and Leo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Matt Damon's pretty big. But, but Matt Damon, I think, is probably the biggest actor that I've seen actually on the picket line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, David look, Cubney, he, I've seen Bob. Matt Odenberg. Damon's at the bottom of the A list, which is fine. But where are the big stars? I, they don't see themselves as you. They don't concern themselves with this kind of shit. You know? They don't even want to pay that a lot fine. Of them, a, lot of them are, a lot of them are producers. Mm, you know, the big yeah. the big names, they, they're producers on their own movies. So they are on the side. Of, if you look at it just in a traditional labor capital dichotomy, they're on the side of capital in that instance. They're and, not a laborer. And, and, and I don't know who the fucking lawyers are over there, the union, but you got to take this to court. Because they should they shouldn't be in alliance. They gotta break that shit up. They gotta break the shit up, you know. But did but, you hear Ron Perlman? What he said? He, uh, the guy who played Hellboy. Yeah, we know. What did he say? He uh, <laughs> threatened. <laughs> he threatened. Uh, he goes, "I know who you are, and I know where you live, and you're saying you're gonna continue this strike until people start losing their homes." He goes, "Well, we know where you live," and like threatening whoever he's talking to on uh, Instagram. Yeah, and here's the here's the other side of it, bro. It's like, hey, hey, stupid. You already have been underpaying people. They already got side jobs. I know motherfuckers that's on TV, that's it, that's re, that's in recurring roles on stuff, and they working at the bank. Or they driving Uber. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, as long as I live in Hollywood, you know how many times somebody's picked me up in an Uber and I and I'm like, I know this motherfucker. You know what I mean? It's like you already not paying them enough. So they they ain't gonna starve because but I'm telling you, you're going to run out of money. Real, I think they made us a, a severe 
miscalculation. They're going to run out of stuff. What, what, you want, they're gonna, what, I, look, in, in, a, in two months, all of the networks are going to be full of foreign stuff. They, they, like, they, they leasing shit. Same thing they did during the pandemic. When the work had to stop, you know, like, like, because mm-hmm. they, they, I'm telling you, they, this is what, this is where I, where, where I grew up. They call this a pump fake. Okay, they, they, they this is the equivalent of, of, of waving a gun around that, that you don't even know if it worked. Because they know we, they know goddamn well they're not trying to go back to pre-pandemic to the pandemic times when it was nothing. Are you gonna make a Tiger King three? Nobody watched the second one. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like so so it's like do you do you really because listen the you know the pandemic kicked off in March of 2020 and they was they were out of shit before the summertime. Mm-hmm. You know? So you really think they going to wait till next year? Come on man. That's bullshit. And you know what's so funny what's so sad about this is this this might be the best damn year of movies in a, ever. And it's fucking sad. Now I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, I know Mission Impossible didn't do well at the box office. It's a good movie. Really? Not this weekend. It didn't. What? No, no. Because I I went and saw it this weekend, and it, and it was like ten of us in the theater. You know, because Tom Cruise ain't no one in the film is allowed to promote the film. Not that you need to promote a film like that. You know. And then they, and then, mm-hmm. and then, damn, and then, and then, uh, what's what's coming up? Um, Doom, Doom Part Two, is coming up. You know, and imagine none of the stars are going, none of the stars of that film are going to promote it. Because that's the thing. These, then these young stars, they don't play that shit. I'm, I, at least, the, at least that's the vibe I get. The, the Zendayas of the world, sh- you know. That she ain't gonna cross the picket line, right? Oh no, no! It would same thing with uh, what's the what's the what's the pretty boy's name? Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. Yeah, Mister Mayonnaise ain't gonna fucking because their generation <laughs> their generation won't won't tolerate that. You know, like at all. This ain't this ain't old school shit. You know, so it's like. <clears throat> And now, and now, you know what's happening now. Now, the this either way this turns out, it's going to be bad for the studios. You know, because if they if they really want this world where they can make movies and make TV with with purely with with AI, right? Mm-hmm. Then what? Then the best people ain't gonna be working for them. What's to stop somebody else from just from just making some dope shit with AI and putting it on YouTube? That's what's gonna happen. If they really want to, if they really want to create this world where it's perfectly legal to just make a whole movie and use people likenesses and all this other stuff, then they're gonna lose this war. They're gonna lose because. The AIs aren't even good enough to do that yet. They aren't good enough to. You still gonna have to have great, clever people to push shit together, and and you just pissed all those people off. There's nothing to stop them from using AI to their own benefit. You know what I'm saying? Why to use their own likenesses to their own benefit and make money from make money that way? You you they they really 
they're really so stupid. They so short sighted that they think they hold all the cards and it's just not true. I the way I predict this happening is this will finally usher in the sweet, sweet death of of some of the studios that it's been a long time coming. This this whole greedy try to get this last big bite that they think is going to sustain them forever is going to destroy them. Yeah, because they don't they aren't creative. The this exposes the big lie in Hollywood, right? Yeah. The lie is that the people with all the money the, the the reality is that the people with all the money hire the people with the ideas. And then because they have the money, they get to inject their shitty ideas into the process. And 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 then they get to walk away from it all thinking that they're some crucial part of the process. But the truth is they really don't have any ideas. It, because if if they did, why would they hire you in the first place? Why would they if the if the if the if the if the, if the head of the studio was really all that creative, why why would he spend all this money to hire people that to come up with stuff? It doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. So it's like the fa- the fact that they think they can do it without the writers is crazy because the writers can do it without you. And that's what's going to end up happening if if this strike goes on long enough. These writers and these actors are going to band together and make some dope shit with AI and erase y'all from the equation. That's what I see happening. And then if this goes if this goes in the next year, half of these studios are going to die and YouTube is going to be where everything lives. Can they stop the actor from performing if they own the likeness? What do you mean? Like if, let's say, the studio owns X actor's likeness and they say, in perpetuity, you cannot perform because dep- we own that It likeness. depends on what's in the contract. Oh. Yeah, nobody's Jeez, you might have one of like the... That. But I'd imagine so, yeah. You, you might have one of the last comedy specials filmed this year. No, 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 no. It's not, just, it's not my special only that falls outside of what they call struck projects. It's it's um, but it's because it's self produced. It, it, so like if so, I have a licensing deal from Netflix. But if if someone else had like if, if Netflix was producing it, I wouldn't be able to shoot it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things. Or like um, it's a, it's also if if you're talking about if you're talking about the likeness of a an actor, like you have a right and an interest in your likeness, so you could sign away an exclusive license to use it in certain ways but most people don't do that you wouldn't do an exclusive you might have category exclusivity so for instance like lebron james licenses his likeness to be to represent like gatorade he can't also under the terms of that contract license it to like powerade powerade which which is a competitor right but he can but he can all but he can license it to rolex and chevrolet or whatever because those are not direct competitors and that you know uh, he still owns his likeness for other purposes. Yeah. So, yeah, these people fucking suck, and and uh, and it's been too long since someone told them that. And uh, you know, this is like a Hollywood hell tide. You know, they're gonna uh, lose. I'm, I'm, they are gonna lose. I don't understand why they don't see that. They're gonna lose. I don't. 
I don't understand why they don't see because that. Because they are, they are, they are so out of the loop. Like they, they honestly, the idea that they would even publicize For this me. notion of making AI copies of background actors and using them in perpetuity, turning them into digital slaves, the idea that they thought that that would be met with anything except negativity from the general public shows how out of touch they are. Well, they don't, I, they also, don't recognize that. It, the, the public doesn't give a fuck about studio executives. That's probably next to like politicians and lawyers got to be some but, of the but, most but, reviled but also, people in the, in the country. The, the severe miscalculation that they've made is that, and, and I think this comes from being born with money or having or being rich for super, super long, but their idea of what poverty is is so far it's so far off the mark they really honestly believe that the majority of writers and actors don't know how to struggle like right you know because listen not everybody moved to hollywood with a trust fund a lot of these motherfuckers are the most hustlingest hustle hustling is not a word but you know what i'm saying the mo like they got they, a lot of these motherfuckers got the most these show business people got the most hustle i've ever seen out of anybody it's, you yeah. know it's like because you gotta sub you know if you again if you ain't coming in, if you ain't coming in the game with a trust fund you gotta survive like why, like how you think people living in la and new york you know a, a, like a starving comic or a writer that's how you think they really living out there where there's like some of these motherfuckers got two, three, multiple, you know, multiple jobs, multiple side hustles. Niggas got Etsy stores and fucking Uber Eats routes. And, you know, it's like people are surviving. They, they'll be fine. I mean, I don't understand why they think th that they can starve them out. Like, <laughs> like motherfuckers ain't going to be good till next year. I mean, they're going to lose way more money until then because they don't have these rights yet. Correct. Right, and I can't, and I can't imagine. Right. I can't imagine who would cross this picket line. Who, Lord Jesus? Oh no, I can't imagine who that would be, or, or or if they could get enough of them. I mean, I'm sure there are some fucking people out there that uh, would. Well, also the the other thing that people need to realize is like in Hollywood, if you scab during a strike then you are basically blackballed from ever working for working within that um that guild in the future like i remember during the 2008 2008 it was 2008 was the last strike for the wga uh for wga west when th there were a bunch of people that came out and they thought that they like oh this is my shot because all the people in the wga can't take these jobs oh i'm going to get a job working for a studio working for a show etc uh because all these people got taken out of the marketplace. No, 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 don't do that. Because if you take, if you cross the picket line and take scab work, you will never be able to work for a WGA signatory after, after the strike is over. What about like a Tyler Perry studio? Does that also like include in that like his private studios? It depends. Um, on, I mean, I assume that Tyler Perry yeah. is a signatory to SAG-AFTRA. Yeah, but also the studios are also all signatories again, to the SAG after deal. But also, here's here's the honest to God truth of it: you, it's not that simple. You you because the you know there's all kind of different agreements and and like the old some some shit is like 
Like there's different rules under the old agreement and some people are like under that and there's different rules under the new agreement and it's all very so complicated. The, you, you really need to get, you, need, you really need to call them and, and let them tell you because you can't, you can't just assume that if somebody's making something that it's not okay or you can't just assume that, um, that somebody can't make something. It it really it's really it's more it's too complicated for for it to be a simple answer, but the, all you can say truthfully is that ninety nine percent of shit can get made, and not and you can't go help make ninety nine percent of shit. But there are exceptions, and because they because again when they emailed me they were like there's exceptions just go to this website sagafterstrike.com and I went there and there wasn't nothing there. <laughs> and I tried to call on the phone number and the line was so motherfucking busy. It was like I was on hold forever. And then, yeah. so I was like, yeah. So I just asked my lawyer to, you know, and it's also better to have a lawyer call because they're going to start talking, you know, all that legalese and all that bullshit. And it's like, I just need a simple answer. You know, because like, can I make this or not? You know, because I'm not going to cross the picket line, you know. But if SAG says, you, oh yeah, you can make that, then you can make it. You know, and I'm not sure where Tyler Perry fall. I'm not sure where Indy films fall you know because i think it just depends on who it who it benefits and what the contractual obligations like what the prior agreements were and all of that other shit you know because because don't get me wrong there's shit that you definitely can't that's obvious right like obviously you can't make a marvel movie you know you can't do some shit for abc nbc fox you can't no obviously not 